In this episode, we're talking about Web3 and the future of the church. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I'm Katrina, and we're taking you back in this episode to a live session we had in August of 2022. It was one of our very first networking events, and the panelists talked about thinking like a futurist, how the church seems to be the late adopters when it comes to emerging technology, and why Web3 isn't the future, it's here right now. Each episode of The Hype Podcast is a conversation about innovation and technology from the faith-filled perspective. This one specifically was with industry leaders, Mehdi Hassan, Sean Asir, and Peter McGowan. Now, if you love tech or you're new to it, this is gonna be a great conversation to give you a jumping off point to make innovation happen in your world. Today, I wanna welcome you in. Come on in if you're out in the lobby. There are, there are some more seats over here and uh, a couple over here. We're going to jam uh, this place out, pack it in. The response was phenomenal at the invitation to be part of Hype Sessions, which is part of Amen Conference. So I, I honestly feel like I'm doing a, a double intro and welcome. Obviously, uh, welcome to Hype Sessions. Uh, this is going to be great today. I'm very much looking forward to what God has in store. Is that music still on? Yeah, can we just kill that? I don't need, I don't need any fancy backing. I'm, I'm good all on my own, okay? <laughs> uh, but I also want to do a pre-welcome to Amen Conference. I, I honestly... My wife, everybody, Kira Smolton. I am honestly so full of anticipation about what God is going to do this evening, this week. And uh, if you aren't expecting God to speak to you, now's the time to shift it, okay? Just get ready. I feel like the bishop, T.D. Jakes, get ready, get ready, get ready. Uh, I really do feel like there is an anticipation that's required for what God's going to speak and do at this conference this week. But before we get to conference, we are at Hype Sessions, let me give you an introduction and a welcome to what Hype Sessions is. Hype Sessions is really our effort to bring together different spheres, to bring together different industries, to bring faith leaders together, thought leaders together, entrepreneurs, VCs, founders, business leaders. Really what we have seen in the past as a faith leader is we've seen different segments that we connect with. All the pastors here would know. You've got your, your, your ministry people here and you've got your business folk over here and you've got your, your, your founders and your venture capitalists and you want to keep them all separate because they're all weird. But honestly, they're meant to come together in the house of God. And this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring people together simply because I firmly believe that we are one connection away from our breakthrough. That, God, that much of your future is actually found in the people that God is bringing along in your path if you're willing to step out and you're willing to connect and engage and be a part of a community. It's incredible how God is going to reward you as a result of you actually just stepping out by faith, meeting somebody, not staying in your shell. So the whole idea of these networking sessions is not to stay with the people that you know, not the people that you're familiar with. Get somebody's name, get somebody's contact. Maybe you're a founder here and you're, you're looking to start something or you're, you're a venture capitalist, you're an investor, you want to meet somebody, some ideas, just get connected, okay? Maybe you're a faith leader and you're trying to find some business friends and get a building. Make some connections, okay? Because you want connection away from your breakthrough. I'm so excited about these next three days of hype sessions and some of the topics and really the panelists that we're going to have bring some great topics, okay? Each and every session... We're going to have some Q&A as well. I'm preparing you. 
so that you can bring intelligent questions, all right? When the opportunity comes and you want to have a microphone moment, uh, raise your hand. We'll have some microphones coming around, but be preparing as you're listening to the panel, be preparing some questions that may help you or may help somebody else in this hype session. And then at the end, we're going to have plenty more connection time, okay, where you can chat with people, panelists, or meet folks and just fill what used to be a Teledex. Fill your iPhone. Uh, and if you don't have an iPhone, um, you're probably in the wrong room. Okay, I'm just joking. I'm just messing with you. I'm messing with you. I'm, I'm messing with you. There's, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm kind of kidding. So, however, we are very much excited about the fact that you made time to be here uh, for hype sessions and conference. Something I did want to mention is we have got some incredible sponsors over this whole conference, and particularly with this conf- uh, this hype sessions. This hype, these hype sessions are sponsored by Vest, Vest Fund. And I wanted to bring up one of the Vest Fund team members, uh, Salmia, who's going to come up and just quickly give us an introduction. Can we welcome up Salmia? Can we have a microphone for Salm? Yeah, let's just grab, actually, let's grab your husband's. Which one? Is this this one? Yep, is this the one? It was on the end? All right. Salmia, quickly before we talk about Vest, tell them who you are and whose microphone you just picked up. So, my name is Samia Sear. I got married four days ago to this amazing one over here. He knows way more about crypto than I will ever know. And, the, so. and you could be on a honeymoon right now, but for hype sessions. So, we hope you have nearly as much fun today. I'm so excited to be here. Shall I tell you a little bit more yeah, about, about Vest? Vest yeah. Okay. So, Vest is an early stage uh, venture, venture fund. Yeah that is looking to make a difference in the world. We are super excited to back some outstanding founders with capital that will allow them to take their stories to the next level. We are really, really excited to actually partner with you, especially as you are as founders that are at the pre-seed stage. Um, and this way we can help yep. really allow you to develop your stories, develop what you're wanting to work on without having to worry about like, you know, the capital and behind that, we are, fi- we are behind you. So if you are interested, please feel free to reach out to us with an application. The Vest Fellowship is opening up in this fall. Um, our website is westfund.org. Fill out your application there. Um, or if you just really want to follow and see what we're up to on Instagram, hit us up at Vest Fund. Yep. Okay, I think I got all the That's points. awesome. All right. Yeah, very excited. Okay. Samia's going to be here too. Um, if, you wanna, if you're a founder, you want to get connected, you're interested, uh, you can talk to Samia in the connection time. She'll introduce you to some of our GPs and everybody like that, and we'd love to get connected and see. Maybe, maybe you're not starting a company. Maybe you know somebody who's got a brilliant idea that's going to change the world and make a billion dollars. Then Vest wants to talk to you as well uh, and uh, just build, really, the kingdom together. It's going to be incredible. Can we thank Sam real quick? Yeah, he's back here. All right. Well, let me uh, again say I am excited about this particular hype session because today we're going to be talking about Web3, future of the church. We're going to venture into some unknown spaces for some people. Maybe for some of you, it's going to be a familiar territory. But really, I'm so excited about engaging in conversation around anything that may be predicting, articulating, or opening up the future opening up our minds, not restricting even the way God can work, and literally talking about things that may be unfamiliar for us. And the idea of today's conversation is 
pretty much not to give you an exhaustive explanation on what Web3 is, but maybe uh, open up an appetite for you to learn some more. So the idea is to create a, a breadcrumb trail that you would begin to peck and eat and begin to maybe go on your own journey of understanding. So uh, I'm not going to be doing the interview today. Katrina Makarag, who's on my executive team, she's going to actually be doing the interview. So can we welcome up Katrina? She's going to come facilitate this panel, and uh, I want you to lean in, be, be writing down and preparing your questions for the end. Cool? Amen? All right. Katrina. Okay, great. I'm going to have, thank you, Pastor Adam. Oh, this is really cool. <laughs> Look at this. Awesome. Okay, so I'm going to actually just have you guys all come up, and then I'll give you an intro. We've got Peter McGowan, Sean Asir, and Mehdi Hassan. Yeah. I'll do a proper intro of them um, uh, just a second here. But um, like you said, Pastor Adam, I know this is, this is kind of a new space for us as a church, not a new space for our pastors, definitely. And so I just wanted to honor that. I think that's, it's a really cool thing for us to be able to do this. Um, I know, um, Pastor Adam, you know, you've been doing so many ventures, um, subsidiaries, multiple things that have launched out of our church. So I'm excited to actually make this space for these type of conversations. This is going to be really cool today. We've had a preliminary conversation, and that was really Really fun. So I'm going to introduce you to who we have on the stage. And I just want to um, preface this by saying I know everybody that we have on the stage for the next three days has been handpicked. And I, I think even the order of the succession of the nights is really important. So as you're making your plans to co keep coming back, just continue your notes. I, I just want to kind of prime that that way, whether it's with questions or like you said, breadcrumbs, Pastor Adam, I think that's going to be really great. So these guys specifically, I want to introduce them. They're, they're, these guys are awesome. Um, we've got Sean Asir over at the end there. I don't know, so he's, he's one of our kingdom builders here at Vive Church. And yep, you can give him a hand. Sean, uh, you just got married. We just celebrated that earlier. Yes, just like a few days ago. Um, and you've been in tech since 2011, right? Starting with Yahoo. Um, you've been part of launching some really cool things, like self-driving cars with Fairway Future. Um, you've been at Facebook, working on Portal, some um, early stage startup things, right? Some really awesome, innovative things. And since last year, I think you made a faith leap and you were um, one of probably the first employee at Miston Labs. Really exciting. That actually deserves a hand because um, Sean leads up the talent acquisitions um, at Miston Labs, and your company just recently raised a really big round of a multi-billion dollar valuation. So congratulations. <laughs> really cool. Um, and then we've got Peter McGowan right here right next to him. So exciting. Um, I'm excited that some of you guys who are at, at Vive, you might not yet know who Peter is. Peter is really awesome. He's the founder and chief storyteller of Storyland Studios. And um, you'll soon see he's a very immersive storyteller. He's a fun storyteller to listen to. And um, he brings stories to life and the physical, the digital, strategic spaces. You've got a really cool background of technology, art, history also I'm seeing, theater, art architecture, design, all of it. And he's worked some, with some pretty notable names, including Walt Disney, um, Universal Studios, Lego, IBM. I mean, I could go on, all the big names. Oh, and Vive Church, yeah. <laughs> 
throwing that in there. I know you're also really passionate about working with nonprofit, um, with um, Plain Joe, and you're a founder of that as well and a president of that, right? I'm the chief storyteller. So excited to hear from Peter, very innovative mind in a storytelling way. And then um, I'm going to introduce you to Mehdi, not a, not a stranger to Vibe Church. <laughs> Um, I didn't know this about you, Mehdi. You studied law and criminology, right? That's really interesting. <laughs> so Mehdi is one of our kingdom builders also. You've been with the church for quite a few years, right? Like pretty much the whole time. You had 10 years. You've been working in talent acquisitions for the last 12 years with Meta, Apple, and I know now you lead talent acquisition at the current um, company that you're at, um, really specializing in Web3. Yeah, so and we're going to talk a lot about this today. So look at this panel. This is exciting. So um, I, think, I think what we could do is just to start us off. Sorry with my filling here. But I think to start us off, um, we could just get a preface of Web3. I mean, I know some people might not understand what it means when they hear Web3. I know it was a little new for me, and you guys caught me up. Um, but we're starting to talk about Web3. I, I think what you can gain from these guys as well is that um, it might be something that you don't know. doesn't mean it doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> and even though it's something that you don't know, doesn't mean it's like uh, not something that you should maybe think of as an opportunity. So um, I hope this opens up your mind. I really hope that in, as they talk through this, that you'll get really inspired to think a little bit differently. So Sean, could you set us up? Talk through, we've got Web3, but maybe you can give us like the high level of Web1 to, to Web3. Yeah. Yeah. Let me walk you guys through the web. Uh, <laughs> uh, so Web 1, uh, the best way to think about it is Web 1 was static pages. So uh, they, they, ca they categorize, it, categorize it as read only. So you would go there pretty much like, it's pretty much like reading a magazine except on the internet. So you're not interacting with it, just reading. Um, then we get a little crazier. We go to Web 2. Uh, read and write is what they categorize it as. Um, and so. Now, um, not only are you reading, but you're also contributing uh, to um, the internet, right? And so this comes in like different forms. So this is when Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, uh, TikTok, like a lot of these companies started surfacing. Um, and so we were basically creating these networks, right? So we were on the platform, we were making content uh, through like making like your Twitter posts, like your YouTube videos, whatever. Um, but uh, what was happening also was Facebook, uh, Twitter, like a lot of these companies were starting to get stuff from us, right? And so they were uh, seeing a lot of the stuff, but also kind of like gathering some data, collecting some information on uh, what are we clicking on? How long are we watching these videos? Uh, what are we posting about? What are like, like gathering, these, gather, gathering this information uh, for the purpose of selling it to these advertisers who were targeting advertisements to us. So I know you, if you guys click on an Amazon thing, you go to your Instagram and you see all these ads, that's that's what was happening, right? Um, and and yeah, so that was that was Web two is read and write, and basically the the era of targeted advertising. Then comes Web three. Oh, and I guess before I say that, and in Web two, um, they controlled all the data, so they own the data, they control it. Uh, you don't really see really much of what's going on with that, um, and they also make all the economic, they, the benefits of the economics goes to them, right? Because when I make a YouTube video, they reward you with a like or a view. But they're making a lot more money, like the owners of Spotify are making a lot more money than the actual artists, right? And so there comes Web3. 
um, Web3 was designed to be super open, where you control your own data. Um, there's a big concept of decentralization, meaning there's no entity that controls it, right? And so like when you, when you saw these platforms, they had so much control over everything. So they could literally within like a day take you off the platform. They can make a lot of decisions that I'm sure a lot of people probably wouldn't agree with uh, in this room, right? And so Web3 takes away like a lot of that in theory. Um, it makes things more safe. So you are now in control of your data. Um, so you think about um, your data, which runs through this, this, this technology called blockchain, which I'm sure a lot of people know about, um, which basically means you, all your data is owned by you. It's, it's basically stored in, let's say, like a safety de deposit box in the cloud that only you have the keys to. Um, and so you think about uh, how many times like there's like giant leaks like in these companies where uh, a hacker comes in just because all your like everyone's data is stored in, in Facebook so that makes it makes it way easier for uh, a attacker to kind of come into Facebook and steal all your data through one leak but through decentralization that makes it way more secure it makes it way harder for in theory makes it way harder for people to to steal your stuff um, it also changes the economic model um, and so um, why should uh, all these corporations be making money off of what you're, like making way more money than you, like for the contributions that you're making to make the platform successful, right? Um, like one prime example of this, uh, before I wrap up, uh, Spotify uh, has 8 million artists um, on their page. Um, and I think the number is 15,000 of them are making $50,000 and above. 15,000 out of, out of like 8 million. Um, but, but with Web3, when you remove all these like organizations that are there to like profit a lot of your work, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make the economic models, it's going to change the economic models and I think make this world very interesting. So. Awesome. I see you wanting to jump in there, Mehdi. You're the, you're the one who's actually been teaching me a little bit about Web3. Is there anything you want to add to I, maybe even just from the perspective of why do we need to know about it? Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that is fairly clear, depending on who you ask, a lot of people will argue on this, but like Web3 is here. Like it is coming. Every major company is investing billions of dollars into this. Facebook Meta is putting a lot of money to this. They have a project that they invested into. Didn't quite work out, but the technology is still there. It's being used. Amazon, Google, like every massive company is putting money into this. And so I think it would be foolish to at not the least open up an eye and do your own research and start understanding it. But the main thing to what Sean is saying is like, for the longest time, it was like big institutions that choose when it's convenient for them to cater to the people. I think the main idea of Web3 is like for the people, by the people, and allowing them to really determine what they want to happen for everybody. And it's shared across each and every single individual. So that's something I think really important that like the church needs to really think about and look into as this new technology and not shy away from it. Yeah, we were talking about this. We had a Zoom call to just preliminarily talk about this. And um, we started talking about how blockchains, Web3, starts to touch on things around community. Could you um, talk into that just to make those connection points? I think it's a really cool thing for people to hear. Absolutely. I think one thing that's really interesting right now with Web3 is they're winning more than any other company or technology idea that I've ever seen in the area of community. If you follow like Mistin Labs, Chainlink, where I'm at, all these big projects like Yuga Labs, like massive, the ones who do the board apes, majority of what they're building is 
revolved around community. And they found a way to make this work. Like, you couldn't get people to come together. It took, like, decades for these people to build, like, these senses of community where people feel like they belong. They actually want to come to the table with whatever authenticity that they have. There's something, like, really happening here in, like, unique ways of, like, NFTs, DAOs, but it's causing people to actually, like, show up and attend, like meetups, for example, like they're investing a lot of money. Like if you look at all the Web3 jobs right now, a big chunk of those are focused on like community, hiring ahead of community, the ecosystem. And like the cool thing that I think relates the most to the church is like, this is what we've been trying to do for like generation and generation, like thousands and thousands of years. And like for the first time, at least in, from what I can remember in my lifetime, someone's actually investing into this. And so I think there's a lot of good trends that are happening and best practices that we need to at least learn and try to do it and not fall behind and miss this boat of yeah. like what could be the future. Yes, definitely. Peter, I know you're ready to jump in here because we've been talking about this. Like uh, there is a sense of the church being a little bit behind when it comes to technology, right? The church I hold. Go for it, Peter. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'll ever be invited back after this. Uh, um, yeah, when we talk about the church and its embrace of technology, um, when we look at, well, really quick, at the end of the day, I really consider myself a storyteller. Um, where story is usually an oral or written tradition, I'm really cut from this Walt Disney cloth um, that is everything speaks. Um, when, uh, when I look at the creator of the universe, when he decided to come to this earth and to save me, um, to save us all, he came as a storyteller, right? He, he, uh, he was a teacher, he could have just taught at the steps of the temple. He could have got a group of 12 guys, put them into a room, taught them for three years, gave them a certificate at the end and said, hey, Judas won't betray me now. <laughs> uh, the reality is he was a teacher along the way by telling stories. Um, and when we look at how he did this and the technology he used, I mean, Jesus was an educated man, right? I mean, he, yeah. he, he could read, he could write. Um, he was a craftsman. He could have carved in wood. He could have wrote in stone the Ten Commandments, the whatever, the golden rules. Uh, but the only time he ever wrote anything down was temporary in sand. And the significance of that to me is that technology is actually independent. And um, when you looked at the gospel, when you look at when he healed somebody, he didn't say now go to church on Sunday or, you know, it, it was now go and share your story or even better go and go and show your story. Right. Yeah. And when we look at how the church embraced technology for the next 2000 years, whether it be the Roman roads, whether it be stained glass windows, how do you communicate the gospel to an illiterate society, the commissioning of the printing press, which revolutionized everything, not only in communication, but just in land ownership, because people would have, it wasn't just the guy with the biggest sword could own a building. Now it was, uh, it was, you had a title deed. But, but even when you look at, I mean, the first multinational corporation, it was like the church, man. It's the Catholic church. You look at, yeah. we're in California, the missions right. going throughout. They, they were doing multi-site a long time ago. <laughs> and, and it's funny, we think we're reinventing all this stuff. Um, and even the embracing of technology, when radio came out, the very first content providers were the evangelists. Amy Simple McPherson built the whole four-square denomination on the back of technology. Um, the largest privately owned television network today is TBN. <laughs> it's like uh, we, we've historically always embraced technology. Kind of total side note, um, we're doing a project with Dan Cappy out in Atlanta, Georgia. I don't know if you guys know Dan the Chicken Man, um, Chick-fil-A. And uh, he shared a story about 10 years ago, a group of men uh, like we're looking for to start a film studio and they were looking at different locations around America. And when they shared the story of their grandfather who came to the, to the U.S. in the 1960s looking for business opportunities, 
came across this little thing called Hollywood and saw this thing called movies coming out. And he had a Sunday school classroom and he noticed how the youth were watching movies and how it was engaging them. And he thought, I, I want to do this. And then this little Christian group came out with this little you know, B-rate thriller movie called The Blob. The Blob, have you, have you guys heard of The Blob? Am I too old? My damn It was a Christian movie. It's about sin creeping into your life. It was a Christian allegory. This little film studio didn't really have much luck in the faith world, though. It got traction. Um, it's called Pinewood Studios, if any of you guys in Hollywood know that. So James Bond, the Star Wars movies, Harry Potter, all those things. It's the big film studio out in London. So when Dan Cathy hears us, he's like, oh, my gosh, how can I love in Hollywood and, and bring this back? So he, he, what, he owns what's now is the largest film studio in North America, out at Trillis Studios in Atlanta. And across from it, He's built this town, and he's really just trying to love on Hollywood to get them to get off their stick horse. So, so what's happened? Why is it that the church used to embrace technology? We used to advance in things. I and mean, when you look at science, I mean, Gregory Mendel, the, the father of modern genetics, I mean, he was an Augustan monk. I mean, Charles Darwin, I mean, he's buried at Westminster Abbey. It's, it's like all these things, like, what is this? Why is their faith and, uh, and science, or why are they against each other? And for me, I think when we started our studio 20 years ago, it really came to this evening that we were at a coffee shop. And one of my friends asked, man, why is it that if we tell the server right now that we're Christians, unless they're a believer, the first thoughts in their head will have nothing to do with who Jesus is. It's gonna be like cheap tip, homophobic, judgmental, hypocritical. And it's like, man, the church has forgotten how to tell its story. That's the problem. Yeah, we think the story is about Sunday morning you guys have great Sunday morning, by the way. <laughs> we, we think it's about worship. We think it's about all these things. And really what happened to us, and it's our whole society. I mean, the way that we used to work was like generation after generation, our kids would grow up alongside of us. And they would learn how to toil the fields or work with us. We'd teach them like the mistakes we made. We'd, we'd raise them. And really it was the industrial revolution that kind of turn things on its end. Uh, the idea of the assembly line approach. Now we can mass produce things. Operations is awesome. It is awesome. Uh, you can, you know, we all can get Ikea chairs now for a fraction of the price. Right? It's, it's great. But the idea that everything is homogenized and broken down is really what's, what's killed us. So what happened with the Industrial Revolution and the breakdown of the, of the family, going into the factories, going to the cities, the kids really being broken down by age group, being put into an assembly line system for learning in schools, uh, the church then kind of modeled itself after that. The modern church world we know of, I mean, the idea of Sunday school, meeting one day a week, uh, you know, putting them through uh, elementary, junior high, high school groups, and outcomes. If they're really good, we'll put them on a college and seminary, right? And they'll be a pastor. The reality is, I mean, you know, in Europe, the church is the center of the community. It's open seven days a week. You know, it, it's in the thick of everything. I mean, when the churches started up, I mean, actually, uh, uh, my wife and I just got back from a little bit of time in Tuscany, and we went through this abbey. And, you know, the church building, as we know it, in these old cathedrals, they weren't built for worship on Sundays. They, they were embassies for the new city of heaven. People that were making pilgrimages to go to um, the, the Israel, uh, you know, to go to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, to pay homage to that. But they would journey along the way and stop in these magnificent churches that were you know, lined up so that the, the, the altar was facing the east, so the sun would rise over the cross. When you come in on the left side, the whole left cathedrals, or the, uh, the chapels, 
the north side where it's darker. That's where all the sin, stories of sin and the downfall of man are. When you come around the cross, there's the redemption. On the south side where the sun shines in, those are all the, those are all the resurrection stories and the gospels being illuminated. But they were, it's an experience to go through a space. But this assembly line process, we've, we've commoditized the church to, hey, let's meet on a Sunday. Let's you know, have the best storyteller get up on stage, tell them. And then there's a whole other thing I could go through on that, but uh, I'll, I'll stop talking. <laughs> but, but the idea is, though, historically, we've embraced technology. Historically, we have. It's just really been the last 50, 60 years right. that we've been like, oh, no, no, we're good. We don't need to embrace technology. And we think it's a checkbox. I'll, I'll share one more story real quick. It, it, Web 3.0 is great. It's great. It's here, no doubt. Technology doesn't matter. I mean, one of my favorite quotes from is Steve Jobs. Uh, when he was on stage, someone asked about it, a question about why isn't Apple using Java. It's like, I'm sure a lot of people are interested in that. And, uh, and his, his remark was pretty quib. It was like, you know, you can make some of the people happy some of the time, right? But then he goes back to share one of the greatest learnings that he ever had. You should never start with technology. Starting with technology it, it, it is a good, surefire way to spend a lot of money. You have to start with what he says is the guest experience, or what we would say is story. Uh, and I, I want to point fun. There, there's someone in the room that works for Tesla, one of my favorite companies. Uh, but you know, so many other car companies are trying to copy them, and they're copying the tech, and they have no idea about the, the customer experience or the story, and they're missing the boat. And it's hilarious. They're just wasting a lot of money. But for Steve Jobs, when when they went to make the iPhone. I don't know if you guys have heard this story. I apologize if you guys have. You guys are all Silicon Valley. You guys probably like learned this in elementary school. <laughs> but he had this story in his mind. The guest experience was, I want to be able to take a phone call, you know, make a note, uh, make a dinner reservation, look up directions, make, you know, uh, order some movie tickets, do all these things. And in this story narrative, the 10 key, you guys even know what younger people don't know what a 10 key is, huh? Um, was in the way 95% of the time. Yes. So the idea of a plastic interface that could just be whatever and transform was really, he's like, that's the only way this can be done. When the iPhone came out, I don't know if you guys remember this. When the iPhone came out, they laughed at him. They said, not a, not, a, not a research study in the world, not a survey, not a marketing thing ever said anyone wants a phone without a 10 key. In fact, it was the opposite. They wanted a phone with a full keyboard. The Blackberry was it, all these things are. But Steve Jobs held the fact that it, it's the story of the guest experience. And if I can encourage you all, it's, it's about your story and how you're sharing that. And then understand the technology and how it's going to fit in. Does that make sense? Yeah. Love that. So good. Something that you said there, Peter, um, a little while back, you talked about um, it wasn't just about Sunday worship experiences. And something we've been talking about at Vive Church, I think that's been really great, is um, building something, being a part of something that's not just about your Sunday, right? Something that you could build your life around or be a part of. And I love that that's, you know, the Abbey's being a picture of heaven, portal to heaven. Love that picture that you're painting here. I, I wonder if we can find ways to connect the dots, though, to the technology, you know? I think that um, one of the things we talked about on our call that I want to bring to this conversation is the idea of the future. Um, you know, you guys keep saying, hey, Web3 is here. But I think for a lot of people, it's not yet. <laughs> I think the words like crypto and Web3 and blockchain, I was going to say chalk blaine, blockchain, see, I'm one of them. It, it's, you know, it's, it seems so far out there for some people. I think even if we weren't talking about technology, I think just other ways to do things is not always the way some people think because, you know, business as usual for most. So can we find a way to connect the dots? Why do people maybe, what is the, what's the hurdle? 
why can't we get over understanding what technologies are, why it's so important, you know? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think like the thing to consider that's important here is in how we approach these things, at least historically in the most recent years, I know a lot of good examples came from Peter, like in 60 years and before, we were the ones leading technology, but I think that has shifted a lot where we're coming in trying to play catch up. Like 20 years ago, if you were trying to create a Facebook group on a church, it was probably frowned upon. Or if you're trying to use IG Live or do something there, like other people would look at it like, oh, that church has no idea what they're doing. They're giving into the crowd. I think this is a rare opportunity that like, it's still early stages. Even these large corporations haven't fully figured it out yet. Like it's here, but it's not sorted out. There's still a lot of stuff that needs to happen we are in the driver's seat to help control that narrative. And I think that's something that we need to consider where I feel like we're much more responsive in other things. Like for example, online church, like there was a lot of stuff that was coming this way pre-COVID. Yeah. A lot of churches were fighting that. And then you look at it like COVID happens and then they're scrambling and trying to keep up with it. And yeah. at that point, like a lot of people were lost during this time where they were just looking for a community and no one was set up. Luckily, Pastor Adam was a visionary and had this already set up up and running yeah. and we were able to do that. But I think at the time around there, like a lot of people were looking at that like, oh, Vive Church is crazy. They don't understand what's going on here. I think this is something similar to look at with like the metaverse, Web3 and what's happening and like starting to be creative so that we can actually contribute to where it's going and not look back five years from now, 10 years from now, and then try to jump in super late. And then now we're on our heels trying to keep up. So I think that's the whole idea. That's really great. I think um, we were talking about futurists. Because I think in the room, what we've got is a mixture. I mean, every, you know, we've got ministry leaders, we've got business owners, entrepreneurs, VCs. And I think as we're listening to this, some of you probably are thinking, I, am, I understand you, but I don't understand what you're talking about with the church. I'm trying to help connect the dots, you know. And um, Peter, you said, and we're talking about it, Sean, on the call. We're talking about futurists on our call. And something that I, I'm trying to bring forward is that not everybody thinks like a futurist. So I want to bring that forward because... I don't know if that everybody needs to. I wonder if we can talk about that. What would be your response to the future, futurists? How do you connect with the futurists? You know? um, I guess one quick point. Um, I think like the point of this panel, we're not saying that blockchain is here, go find a solution and like implement it immediately. Because we're, like Maddie said, we're in the first inning of this thing. We're like the, the national anthem has just been sung. We're very early. Uh, but I think what we're saying is um, don't dismiss it right away. Try to understand it. Try to be uh, mindful of it and try to um, think of some of how it could uh, uh, benefit you. I think Pastor Vance uh, with Overflow was like a huge example of uh, opening it up to enable crypto payments. Like stuff like that, like connecting the dots and being able to do stuff like that, I think that's going to really um, help. Do you want to go for it, Peter? Oh, sure. Yes. Yeah. You know, I, I think um, one of my favorite stories is the parable of the talents. And I think it's uh, one of the most powerful things that speaks to me is that Jesus, um, when, you, when you look at how they handled their money, the guy that was conservative saved his money and uh, didn't take the risk. He was the one. Yeah. It was the guy that took the risk that had the multiplication on return on investment that was awarded everything, right? And I think as churches, I mean, I just see people, I'll, I'll do people all the time, well, we're a church and we, we can't waste money. We can't do these things, whatever. But um, you have to be able to innovate. And I, and again, I'm probably in hot, we're going to have here, people from Google here. 
I don't know if the Google still does this, but I read an article once about how Google budgets. I don't know if you guys have heard about this, but they have three major buckets. Uh, the, the largest bucket is 70% is their operational budget. Money that makes money basically goes in the search engine. 10% um, is actually in what they call is innovation. Um, and on like in the article I re read, it was when it was back at $1.2 billion. Now it's probably a lot more than that. So $120 million went towards innovation. Of that, 98% thrown out the window. Just gone, 10% gone, which, uh, which I thought is interesting because we look at the tithe, that 10% that we give, and somehow God's able to take that and multiply it, right? But Google takes that 2% of that 10%, and that's where things like, I don't know, Gmail comes out of it, or, or Google Wave, or all these things. Then it moves into the 20% of what they call incubation, where you know, Gmail was in beta for like five years. It can grow, and then it's on its own, then they launch it, or all these things, whatever. But if I can encourage you guys, it's not about just going all in and taking these huge risks. I mean, it's great to have systems and processes and, and things that you can trust, but carve out a little bit for, you know, like, let innovation happen. Yes. Operate in faith. Go out and how do you do these uh, different things? And when you see something that has a little bit of, of, of working, uh, I don't know, you got to fail fast. Learn from it and keep iterating and keep moving forward and stuff like that. But to do that, it's really helpful when you can surround yourself with a team of people. So when you have futurists, when you have visionaries, I mean, connect with those integrators, connect with those operational people, and learn how to trust you. When you look at Walt Disney, he had Roy Disney. You can kind of go through the line of this, all these great organizations that have this dual visionary and integrator role. Um, but yeah, that, that's probably my biggest thing is don't do it alone. That's probably one of the things I love about even just the church world. So many pastors have great partners that they've been able to go move forward with, and that's a whole separate thing, but anyways. I think about, um, so obviously you guys see the future. <laughs> <laughs> We've got futurists up here. What do you think? Um, I, I'm thinking about some people in here are maybe maybe mislabeled people in their community, right? That maybe have just really great ideas. So how do we make those connections? You know, maybe how how would we listen to you having ideas? You know, people who are in ministry. How do we how do we just get an ear to some technology or to innovation? I think one of the simplest things we can do is be open-minded. Um, I think sometimes we come in with just these like really old school ideas or like we frown upon things because we don't understand it. I think coming into a conversation, like perspective is everything. Like you come into a Sunday with your arms folded and some thought in your head, like you're going to receive the message in a completely different way than the person who's sitting next to you who's looking for something. So I think like as Christians, we need to lead better with this of just being more open-minded and like instead of attacking ideas, embracing them. And then be curious, like actually go out and open up a wallet, go buy crypto, go mint an NFT, go buy an NFT and join some communities and just learn more about it, go to meetups. I think that's gonna help us. Like, even if you don't fully understand it, at the least you're gonna learn about it, but you're also gonna, I think, get an opportunity to go there and be the light amongst these circles and help influence a lot of the ideas. I know I keep going back to that point, but I feel like we haven't had this opportunity in such a long time where yeah. we've always been the people coming in from the outside trying to then find a way and squeeze our way into it. Like, I look around this room, there's so many brilliant people here. Like, why can't someone in this room create one of the first ideas in this space, given its early stages, by just taking the moment right now to actually learn and figure out what it is and start building upon that? Wow. Um, I love that. What about, okay, so let's, let's stay in this technology space, because I want to make sure everyone kind of, Here's what, what else do we need to know about? You talked about NFTs. You talked about crypto. Break some things down for us. Because I want to go here because then we're going to go to questions in a little bit. But 
Break some of this down for us. What are the technologies we need to know about? We talked about Web3. I think, Hit us. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think one of the most significant things that really kind of blends into uh, Web 2 into Web 3 is just machine learning and AI. Um, machines being able to learn and provide artificial intelligence is something that uh, is, is being, has been used for the last decade um, to consumerize a generation. And all this learning is to sell you things. Uh, but really, how can that be used to, to actually help us develop uh, just as human beings, as Christians and stuff like that? And one of my biggest frustrations with churches is we have these websites. Um, I know very few, a handful of churches, but pretty much a website is still in Web 1.0. It's still a brochure. <laughs> if you come as a brand new person, it's the welcome page. We're multi-site church, whatever that means to non-Christian, I don't know. Um, if you come 100 times, you come every week. It's the same multi-site message. And it's the same, but it doesn't change. It doesn't adapt. If you go to Facebook, if you go to Uber, if you go to all these sites, they adapt and they change with who you are. If I went and I was searching, uh, you know, I have, I have a junior hire. <laughs> hey, here's a junior high event. But using machine learning to help answer those questions, because you think about it, when someone walks into your building, when they walk into your church, if you said, hi, my name is Peter. Uh, we're glad you're here. Have you been here before? If we say that to them every week, after the fourth, fifth week, they're going to be tired of us, right? They're going to be like, don't you remember me? But that's what we do with our technology. We, we just assume it. The idea that we can actually use machine learning to actually help provide information, engage these people, that's a low bar, honestly. But very few churches are doing that. And I'll shout out to Life Church and Bobby Grunewald and their, their investment and things. But they really are pushing the boundaries on that, But if that makes sense. so. But I think machine learning and AI, is, it, it is, it's, it's huge. Awesome. Yes. Shout out Church AI. You're in the room. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, you want to jump in. What other technologies do we need to know about? I think one thing that's really interesting right now that seems scary and is really frowned upon when you talk to people about it is the idea of the metaverse. Yeah. And I think there's something to really explore. Like, I don't think it's crazy, and maybe this is a very unpopular idea, but like five years from now, maybe 10 years from now, I don't know how long, but doing church in the metaverse could be like a really big thing. Um, there's a couple of reasons why, but I think one thing that kind of relates to this is the idea that like, Certain situations require people, like they just want to be their authentic self, but like coming into a place and doing that can be challenging. And you're seeing right now, like a lot of people do live lives in these games and it's very limited to how it works right now. And it's a lot of exploration that is still happening to it. But imagine if you could do something like a mixed reality thing where like certain Sundays you get to jump into the metaverse, you get to build communities and grow from there, but you still get to come and be yourself on a Sunday in an in-person situation or in-person scenario, like how we have here at Vibe Church. Another really cool thing I think is like going back to the community aspect that I think relates to metaverse as well, like this board Ape Club thing, like Yuga Labs, they're investing heavily in the other side, the metaverse, and it is blowing up like crazy. Like one of the highest valuations, one of the highest investments from A16Z, I think $400 million in their seed fund, like insane, because they've found a way to get people to come together and be their authentic selves by decorating this ape. Like it's pretty crazy. But to build, so now they're doing this thing called the other side, which will be like, ideally is going toe to toe with like Meta's metaverse that I think is they're trying to build something like a centralized one. Then you have Yuga Labs where like it's inclusive but exclusive. So you get to be yourself, but at the same time, like you have to be a member. Um, you got to have some, you know, you have to have an NFT to be a part of this club. And there's going to be all these things that kind of go with it. But I think there's something in the church of like, if you were to like make NFTs that are specific to all the different interests that people have, you can buy into that or just get gifted as like you come to Amen Conference, everybody got an NFT and so now you get to build on that for the next one that you do. Maybe you go to Italy for their conference, that's another NFT and like 
people now feel like, oh, I want to showcase my NFTs. I want to come together. Or it could be like your interest into like, you know, um, F1 racing within the church community. So you join that club and you, you buy into that and then you come together. But something about this idea of NFTs is causing people to actually, who never wanted any sense of community, to come out of their shells and gather together. And so I think there's something happening here. I don't know what it's going to look like. A lot of people still don't know yet. But I think it's worth exploring as a church, like what is the future in this metaverse and starting to build and lead that you know, narrative so that we can have some say in it and not just let it be something completely crazy and chaotic to what I think is the fear for a lot of Christians right now and what this means. Right. Wow. Yeah. Um, are we going to go to questions? Yeah. Um, I'm going to have Eugene. If you, you want to take my mic. Yeah, cool. If you've got a question, yeah. All right, right up front. Uh, one comment, one question. Um, I have a 25-year-old kid, and when I think of him growing up and dating and playing games in the basement, not wanting to come out, I was like, don't you want to go out and meet people? And he's like, why? You know, I, so instead of saying you're broken, you know, or weird, you know, like you mentioned, in the metaverse, this could be a way to reach a whole different demographic that doesn't think ordering food and having it delivered at home is kind of odd seven days a week. Question. Um, recent, you, you mentioned blockchain, and there was a thought in my mind as it first came out, and with crypto, that as you mentioned, having this safe and all your information, we've seen hundreds of millions of dollars of crypto be stolen. So I assume, and this is my, my story, that when banks first were created in the wild, wild west, and it was pretty easy to walk in with a gun and steal what was in the bank, and today that's not so easy. Are we in the same thing, it's the wild, wild west, and that there's so many gaps and holes in the crypto world that um, there is some reason to be concerned about how much in crypto assets you have and where you keep it. I'd like to understand what you would tell a church. Would, would you tell a church to put 10 or $20 million in crypto assets if they had the fear that they're going to be on the news next week? Great question. This is a really good question. I will always start with this is not financial advice, and I've been trained really well to mention that before anything, but I personally um, invested heavily in crypto, like heavily, heavily. So if that's any indication, you know, it's something to be thought of and what the future is. But I think to your original question, um, there's two things that are happening right now. One is a lack of education and people's understanding of how to responsibly handle their crypto. And then two is like, if you think of an exchange, it's truly not decentralized. It's called CFI, so centralized finance, like a Coinbase, for example. Yes, it's you know a crypto, it feels like you're being housed somewhere, but it's not any much different than like a Robinhood or an E-Trade where a centralized institution is holding your money for you. Centralized institutions are susceptible to hacks depending on their security because it's not truly decentralized. On the other end, what you're finding is people have their own cold storage wallets. That is truly decentralized, like you're uploading your crypto into something, but people don't know how to handle that responsibility. So like you have this thing called like your private keys. If you put that on like your email, that gets hacked. Now someone has access to your wallet. So like, I think it's the lack of education and understanding of how these things work that plays a critical role. Also, the other thing that's happening with exchanges is a lot of them were, I think, banking on crypto to continue going up. So they heavily leveraged the amount of money that they were in control of for assets. Crypto tanks, they can't call all that money. So a lot of them had to just go under 
go bankrupt. Certain exchanges, if you had money in it, it's still on hold right now. You can't get your money out. So I think you have to be careful and do your research and pick an exchange that is either backed by something, like I think Coinbase is backed. Um, there's still a risk that happens there. But uh, that's one aspect of it. And then on the other end, if you are going to like take responsibility to yourselves, like make sure you really read and follow instructions. Like it will tell you, do not put this on like your cloud notes or things like that where you can get hacked. If someone gets access to that, your money's gone. So I think doing it responsibly, doing your research, asking somebody who knows how they're doing it, like the actual technology at its core self is actually really secure. Like blockchain is one of the most secure technologies in its true use. But again, human nature, we have, or human error that always comes into play that allows these things to get a negative rap and people only see what they read online. So, yeah. I think also um, a lot of those areas right now are being worked on even more. So like we've seen a shift of, of like talent specifically that is dropping everything that they're doing in Web 2 and moving into Web 3 to focus on areas like usability and making like user experience more friendly uh, and more secure and stuff like that. So I think... Um, now we're really starting to see a lot of like that core innovation happening, and, and uh, I think soon we're going to start, start seeing a lot more like security and feel a lot more safer. Yeah, maybe one more First of all, amazing panel. Thank you so much for the information. Um, two pieces. Um, where do we read more? Is there a way to get like a list of resources or websites? Coindesk.com is like, I think one of the easiest, most digestible websites that you can learn about crypto right now. But not crypto, but the blockchain and the Web 3.0. And because you said in your piece, there are meetups and there are different people doing things. And I think how would a pastor like myself even know where to go to a meetup to start having conversations, to start even just listening into the into it and not be in the um, sewer of the internet, you know. Is it possible that we could like put together a list of places? Like I think I have a whole centralized thing for like from talent that we give out to a lot of our candidates and then email that out to people that are here. And that could be really helpful. Like I really want to be thoughtful about this because like we have different tiers too that I can't recall off the top of my head, but like a lot of good resources. Like if you're a beginner, middle level, and like someone really wants to go deeper, like places you can go to like see all the meetups that are listed, read about Blockchain 101. I personally put this together for like our team to give out to candidates. So I'd be more than happy to share those resources with you. Amazing. Hey, can we give it up for these guys? We are out of time. Yeah, give it up for Katrina. Let's give it up for Mehdi. Let's give it up for Peter and Sean. Appreciate you guys. So what we're going to do right now, um, obviously we've got a couple of hype sessions over the next couple of days and we would love to make sure you come back to that, have more conversation in some different aspects of, of society, building, business, those kinds of things uh, in, in market. We've got some great panelists as well, but we are going to move into some networking time. So the conversation doesn't have to stop. It can now just become a little bit more personal. So maybe you want to meet one of the panelists. They're going to be hanging out there in the lobby. There's going to be some food and drinks out there before we open up and move into the main session this evening. But uh, again, thank you. I'm so excited that you're here. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to transition into some networking before we get ready for Amen Conference. God, I pray right now, Lord, for an acceleration. 
on every church, every business, every family, everything that's represented in here, Lord, as they are positioned here, Lord, I believe there is an appetite to learn and to grow. So God, I pray your hand of blessing upon them and an acceleration in the Spirit upon everything they put their hand to. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. Let's get ready. Make sure you meet some people, get some details, and uh, make some friends. Amen. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to be part of one of our live sessions, well, we've got some pop-ups happening this year around the country. Just head over to hypenetwork.org to get more information and make sure to sign up for our email list so that you're in the know and you can register early as they tend to sell out. So hypenetwork.org, can't wait to connect with you. We'll see you there.